0: Hey, I'm Steve Holland. Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by the podcast host. They are the people who can help you get a podcast up and running or grow what you've got even further. Courses where you can sign up to, one-on-one mentorship, mastermind groups, and a whole lot more. You can find the link at beingfreelance.com. Right now though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for copywriter Kaylee Moore
1: specific companies that I wanted to write for. I went through and found the content managers for those companies and followed them. I found editors there and followed them. I wasn't going to them and asking right off the bat, hey, can I work for you? I, I do this, can you hire me? I was just saying, okay, these are the people I wanna have a conversation with. I wanna be sure to interact with them. And then eventually, you know, that opens the door for potential work down the road. You know, it's so different than having a set salary and thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to make this year. That's it. With the freelance lifestyle, you have so much opportunity to out earn the previous month or to out earn your last year annual billable income. I love that challenge. I think it's very exciting. It's also very dangerous.
0: Yes, hello. Thank you uh, for joining for another uh, another one. Great guest coming up in a moment, Kaylee Moore. Just to remind you, beingfreelance.com is the website. So go take a look, there. You and sign up to the newsletter. Links to us on Twitter at beingfreelance. Uh, check out all of the previous guests and let me remind you that whatever field they work in It is worth having a listen to, even worth re listening to, frankly. Uh, There's so much value, and it isn't about their specific job, though, of course, if you relate to it, it'll be a bonus, but it's more about the being freelance. Uh, That's the point. And do you know, we're going to be doing a live version of this show at the New Media Europe Conference in London in June 2016. If you're listening to this before that, get your tickets, come down and join us. You can either buy a ticket for the weekend or one just for the session where we're going to do a live version of this. So uh, a panel of freelancers and, and me chatting to them in a live audience. And yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Details all at being freelance.com. Right now, though, let's cross to the States and say hello to freelance copywriter Kaylee Moore. Hey, Kaylee.
1: Hey. Whereabouts are you based? So I live in a small town in Illinois. Um, I was born and raised here and moved away for a while, but I'm back and uh, live here in a town called Jacksonville with my husband and our dog and cat.
0: And what's Jacksonville like? Is that like a, a big place? Is it quite remote? What's it like?
1: It's pretty remote. So it's largely a rural community, lots of farming surrounding it. um, Got a lot of history. Yeah, it's a nice little town. I I really enjoy living here.
0: So let's get started chatting about how you got started being freelance.
1: Sure. So uh, my freelance story begins about two and a half, three years ago. Um, I was doing some just kind of work on the side for social media consulting, some management, and kind of hand in hand with that was just general content creation. So, uh, a bit of writing, some emails, some blog content, some some website copywriting, and over time, you know, in about the span of four to six months, uh, I got more and more referrals for the work that I was doing. And I had been working as the public relations manager at a nonprofit, and eventually realized, okay, there's a lot of potential here, I can probably transition this into more of a full time role. So that's what I did after working at the the PR role for about two and a half years, and uh, made the transition to full time freelancing. And uh, so far, so good.
0: Cool. So, so like out of uh, education or whatever, you went into PR. Correct. So, how did you find those first clients? Were you doing both at the same time for a little while?
1: I was. So, I had. I was a communications major in college, and um, as I did the PR role, a lot of what I was doing was going out into the community and and talking with people and interacting and doing a little bit of outreach. So, when I was doing this, you know, we'd get on the topic of um, social media and things like that, and what I found was that a lot of people really wanted that type of work and wanted some support, but they didn't want to hire someone full-time as a staff person. They just wanted to hire out someone who could handle those things on their own and just kind of be an appendage to the organization. So I saw all of these opportunities and started kind of building some connections saying, hey, you know, I, I do know a little bit about this, let me help you. And those relationships eventually transformed into referral sources moving down the road, which is what enabled me to leave that full time job.
0: Cool. So you mentioned that you've moved away from where you live now, Jacksonville, and, and then came back. Was when, when you're Back, like, have you always been freelance there, if you see what I mean? Or did you build up this network elsewhere? And then,
1: yeah, so I, the first job that I had was in another town, not too far from where I live now. Um, and I was living there at the time, but once I got married, um, my husband and I kind of found a midpoint between our two jobs. And now that I work from home, you know, I can I can basically work from anywhere. So um, it's still fairly close to his full time job that he maintains. But for me, you know, if we travel, I can I can work from anywhere. So just kind of how things played out.
0: So those jobs came from meeting people face to face. Is that still kind of what you do? Or do you find that it, it, it is a lot of remote?
1: It's a lot of remote now. When I first started, a lot of the connections that I made were face to face. They were semi-local people. Um, but then I started working with uh, people I'd met through the internet, through social media, through you know participating in, in freelancer conversations and kind of introducing myself, being pretty proactive about you know trying to get out there and meet people and, and make myself known to people who were doing what I wanted to do. And so now I would say. 90% of the work that I do is remote. I've never talked on the phone with these clients. I've never, you know, even seen their faces. Everything we do is over email, which is, which is, I think, very cool. But it's very different from how things were when I started.
0: Wow, a bit, bit of both. So when you say you were build, building relationships with other freelancers, where was that like in Facebook groups? Or what, what sort of things?
1: Twitter has been a really productive place for me to spend time as far as connecting with other freelancers, as far as finding clients and kind of, you know, sharing the work that I'm doing and and promoting the work that I can do for other clients. Um, One of my biggest referral sources was just founded out of a Twitter conversation. Uh, She and I were going back and forth. Um, I had a jewelry store at the time, which I can talk about that a little bit later. But Um, she said, Hey, I really love your jewelry. I said, Oh, that's so nice. I'd love to send you a free piece for just kind of finding my store randomly and and being a nice person. And it just so happened that she was looking for a content writer at that time. This whole conversation was spawned from this uh, initial Twitter conversation. And from there, um, I got a ton of referrals from this one source. So I think it's kind of a testament to the potential for Twitter and for just being a nice person, really, and having conversations with people and and um, what that can evolve into, as far as freelancing say, goes,
0: yeah, because that sounds like you you were uh, just having normal conversations rather than particularly trying to sell yourself, if you see what I mean.
1: Yes, and I have found that that's really effective as far as building relationships and eventually transforming those relationships into working relationships down the road. I still do that. I mean. Um, a lot of the the clients that I've come to work with are people that I just initially started having, you know, normal conversations with through Twitter months ago. And eventually we come to know each other a little bit better. We understand who we are and what we do. And when they come up with an opportunity for work, they think, Oh, Hey, I know Kaylee, she does X. I'm going to reach out to her. So it's just kind of an organic way to, to build a client base, I guess kind of unintentionally. It's a nice side effect. But
0: are you targeting specific people? Are you searching for people? How are you finding them?
1: Um, I am a little bit strategic sometimes. I've kind of backed off the strategy I was initially using. But when I was really wanting to focus on building relationships on Twitter, I I did take a strategic approach. And what I did was I found um, specific companies that I wanted to write for. I went through and found the content managers for those companies and followed them I looked for um, publications that I wanted to write for. I found editors there and followed them. And what I did is I started being very deliberate about interacting with these people. Now, I wasn't going to them and asking right off the bat, hey, can I work for you? I, I do this. Can you hire me? I was just saying, okay, these are the people I want to have a conversation with. I want to be sure to interact with them if I see them commenting on something on Twitter. Um, So I always try to keep the tab open when I'm working and checking in throughout the day and and interacting with those people that I think, you know, hey, I'd like to have a relationship with this person. I need to focus on going back and forth with them. And then eventually, you know, that opens the door for potential work down the road.
0: That's awesome. Have you ever used any of like the freelance job sites at all?
1: I have. Um, I used uh, the Pro Blogger job board a few times, but I found that the the high quality work and the work that almost always ends up panning out for me as a writer is always through referrals. It's always through people who recommend me or make some sort of referral, because then those clients who are coming to me, they're already in in the mind frame of okay, I want to work with this person. Whereas with the job board, it's a little bit trickier. You're you're kind of taking a stab in the dark and hoping that you know, somebody will reach back out to you and get in touch. Um, so I've, I've really stepped back from the job boards. I don't really use them at all anymore.
0: And when it comes to referrals, do you just wait for them to happen or do you try and ask people, Hey, is there anybody, you know, or
1: yes, I'm very deliberate, deliberate about the referrals. And, um, kind of in that same vein, collecting testimonials, doing case studies with clients, um, collecting LinkedIn recommendations. I think all of these things um, are important to do on an ongoing basis. So I've really put a focus on, you know, asking, one, asking for those recommendations and asking for those referrals, and two, collecting the elements of social proof that kind of go hand in hand with those to showcase on my site, to showcase on my social media platforms um, because they kind of serve the same purpose, I think.
0: Mm. When it comes to, um, let's presume people haven't seen your site, though, of course, if they go to be there'll be a link to it. When it comes to showing your work and showing those testimonials, how, how have you experimented with your site? How, how have you got on with that?
1: So I have, I started with a more general open-ended site that, kind of advertised all the different things I could do. But since then, I've transitioned into a personal site. It's com. It's just my name um, that focuses on the writing because that's largely what I do now. It's just the content writing. So um, on the site, I, I use testimonials. I talk about the results I've produced. I've made it very client-focused. So if somebody came to my website and wanted to see what I could do for them, Um, That's what my website speaks to. And I I think that's um, kind of a result and a product of being very deliberate about collecting those assets along the way. So anytime I wrap up a new project with a client, I have an exit form where I collect all the things that I need to keep continually changing those things out on my website and always growing that um, basis of testimonials and things like that that I have to showcase for new clients.
0: Yeah, that's great. You have a newsletter on your site as well, right?
1: I do. It's called A Cup of Copy. I love and that I, name. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thanks. I send it out every other Wednesday. And, you know, when I first started freelance writing, it was really hard because I didn't have a go-to resource or, you know, one place where I felt like I could go and ask all the questions that I wanted asked. And so with this newsletter, it's my attempt to address all the questions that I had when I was first getting started and, you know, sharing tips for copywriting, sharing the things that I've learned from spending day in, day out, learning what works and what doesn't as far as copywriting goes. So it serves a couple of different purposes, but it's been really fun so far.
0: Now, you mentioned your jewelry business, right? Yes. Is that like a side project or?
1: It was. So I had a a jewelry store. I started on Etsy and then I later transitioned to the store and view platform. I had the store for five years and it was just an e-commerce business that I started as a side project when I was in college because it was something that I enjoyed doing. Um, But it was kind of a nice introduction to being a business owner and all the things that go with it. So um, I learned about marketing. I learned about customer satisfaction. I learned all of these valuable things that I ended up using later in my freelance career and um, was really successful over the five years that the store was open. I did close the store when I switched to freelancing full time because I wanted to be able to put my full focus on this new project and um, really just didn't have the time or the clarity to, to do both at the same time. So I did close it after five years, but it was an excellent learning experience. And I'm so glad that I did that.
0: You said learning experience. So what was it in particular that helps you now?
1: Yes, I think taxes were a big thing for me. Um, That was my first experience doing taxes and collecting sales tax and um, filing quarterlies and doing all those things that are really stressful when you're first getting started as a freelancer. So I had kind of my feet wet with that. And like I said, you know, I learned different tactics for marketing. I learned how to use social media. I learned how to use email marketing to stay in touch with customers. All of these things, which I now pull from when I'm writing for clients, because a lot of the clients that I work with are in the SaaS industry. Um, so, you know, we talk about e-commerce, we talk about customer acquisition, all of these things that I have hands-on experience with from that initial jewelry business.
0: Uh, nice. So actually, it also helps you relate to your clients.
1: It does. It does. And it it gives me this unique perspective, I think, from being on the retail side of things and being on the e-commerce side of things. Um, It's easy to write about. It's easy to learn and research, you know, but it's a very different experience to to have done it firsthand.
0: So do you just trade now as Kaylee Moore?
1: Yeah, I largely just go under Kaylee Moore now. When I started, I went under the doing business as name of Lumen and I still have a site for that. But, you know, like I said, largely I'm, I'm doing the writing now. So I'm, I'm mainly just using the Kaylee Moore site and that's where I'm focusing my energy right now.
0: So what was Lumen sewing?
1: So Lumen was the site that I started when I transitioned into freelancing full-time. And it was kind of the catch-all for the social media work that I was doing, for the writing work, and um, a little bit of the graphic design that my husband was offering on the site as well.
0: I see. So I'm always interested, as I've I've written about it before, like this whole, you know, do we trade as ourselves using our names? Do we trade as a company name? It's this, this constant battle for a lot of freelancers. So it's interesting to hear you start out as one and then go into your your name
1: yes and it was it was fairly kind of a learning experience because i thought like you said starting out okay i don't want to use my personal name i'm going to use this business name it's going to be a catch-all but then as time passed and i got more experienced i realized i really needed to kind of refine my niche and um you know better explain what it is exactly i do and since i was doing mostly writing it made sense to transition into using a personal brand um, as the main focus for what i was doing because you know, social media and everything else, it just made more sense to have my name and face associated with my work, rather than kind of being this faceless business name. You know, it's a little bit more confusing that way.
0: Yeah, I like that. It's it, there's always there's arguments to both sides. It's great that it's but it's working for you. Yeah, I tell you what. let me just remind everybody that this episode is supported by the podcast host. They are the lovely people to go to if you want to sort out a podcast for yourself. They have everything you need, be it getting started, like the very basics of what a podcast might mean for you and your freelance business, or for that matter, if you've already got one but you've maybe you've stumbled or you want to improve it or you want to grow it further, they can help you with that. They can even cover the technical aspects of it for you as well. So you record it, they edit it, they publish it to the world. So check them out. They've got courses, they've got the support, they've got mentorship, whatever it might be, I'm sure they can help you. The podcast host, Colin and the team there can sort you out. Follow the link at beingfreelance.com and tell them we said hi. Um, back to you though, Kaylee and. How have you found getting the work-life balance side of things right?
1: It's a struggle. I will be very honest and say that it's something I struggle with every day and I'm trying to be better about it. Um, I think it's a beautiful thing working from home and and setting your own hours, being your own boss essentially, but um, there are certainly drawbacks too. I think um, freelancing kind of lends itself to being competitive with yourself and so i I struggle with, um, kind of wanting to outpace the level or the income that I build the month before with, you know, not working all the time and, and enjoying the nice weather once it finally gets warm here and, and spending time with my family and, you know, walking the dog and doing all those things that I love doing. So, um, it's something I'm working on. I'm trying to be more deliberate about not jumping into work first thing in the morning. That's something I'm kind of, okay, I'm really bad about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, stopping working at a good time every day, taking an actual lunch hour, which is something I don't normally do, um, and just really making time to decompress because it can become very stressful and very overwhelming if you allow it to.
0: And are you somebody who's totally got your deadlines in check, totally on top of your workload?
1: Absolutely. And that's something I really pride myself on is a quick turnaround, but still maintaining a really high quality of work. Um, I have a whiteboard actually that I use every day to make my to-do list. And then I also have my, here's what I need to work on in the next two to three to four weeks um, and keeping track of everything. So nothing falls between the cracks. And um, that's been really helpful in just kind of wrapping my mind around, okay, here's all the things I need to do this month. Here's where I'm at progress-wise. And it also helps me stay in touch with clients too and, and let them know, here's where I am in the process. Here's what I need from you. It's just good for my sanity all around.
0: And it's fun having a whiteboard, right? It's, yes, it is.
1: <laughs> It's so nice to cross things off. It's so satisfying.
0: <laughs> yeah, and how have you found the financial side of things?
1: So on the financial side, I use Wave apps for all of my invoicing and keeping track of um, what I've all of my projects for the months, essentially. And then when it comes tax time. That was something that was really intimidating for me when I first started freelancing. So I did find an accountant that I outsourced uh, most of that to. I do some bookkeeping on my end, but for the most part, I refer to her expertise in this area because I'm a word person. I'm not a a numbers person. So um, outsourcing this aspect of my business to her to make sure that everything is looking the way it should and that I've accounted for everything I should has really helped helped me feel better about the business and make sure that I'm doing everything right. And it's just one less thing for me to worry about.
0: When I see on your site that, uh, let's say, I know, um, featured clients, for example, and it's stuff like Kissmetrics and Sumo Me and Entrepreneur and Inc. You know, these these are all these big clients and impressive, which is why they're there. But um, are these people that you have approached on Twitter like you were speaking about before?
1: I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, Entrepreneur actually is one that panned out that way. Um, Everything else has been more through referrals or through traditional processes. But um, Entrepreneur, I found an editor there. His name's Ray Hennessy. He's no longer with Entrepreneur, but um, he and I started talking over Twitter and uh, he was on a podcast and he talked about what's the right way to pitch an editor for a publication you want to write for. So I had listened to that podcast and he was talking about essentially what we just talked about, you know, building relationships with people and going back and forth without asking for something immediately right off the bat. So, um, with him, I, I followed him on Twitter. I, we connected over LinkedIn and over the span of a few weeks, we were going back and forth a little bit. And eventually, uh, the right time presented itself for me to kind of ask, okay, so Here's something I'd like to do. I'd like to write for the company you work for. What's the process for that? And because we kind of had this report established, um, it was very natural. And it was, you know, right off the bat, he was like, Oh, you know, just do X, Y, and Z, feel free to pitch me with anything you want. And, you know, immediately, it was like, wish granted. So That was kind of a neat thing that I saw unfold and writing for entrepreneur has been really rewarding. I think it's a great authority builder, you know, on my end, but at the same time, I've also gotten to write about a lot of interesting subjects that I I don't think I would have been able to otherwise.
0: So has that then opened doors?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think it's, um, like I said, it's a big authority builder for me. So it's nice for other clients to see. I think it kind of adds ethos to the work that I do. And um, I also write for Ink Magazine now. So I think um, for them, you know, seeing that I had written for anab- another similar publication was a-, a bit of a door opener, although that was more of a traditional process getting started with them. But um, yeah, I think definitely it's been a, a door opener. And Um, a nice kind of element of social proof for my brand and and the quality that I can provide.
0: Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me?
1: Okay. So fact number one, Um, I formulated an email that generated 800 plus new leads. Um, Number two, I only write ads. And I only take clients who are willing to pay more than $3,000. And number three, I once wrote a blog post that was entirely centered on cats.
0: <laughs> so, so, sorry, to clarify number two, <laughs> you, you will only write ads if they've got three grand. Yes. Because you don't want to write ads. So you kind of like say, well, if you want me to write an ad, it's going to be this amount.
1: Yes.
0: You wrote a blog post about cats. Eight hundred plus new leads. For yourself, was that or for a client? The email of a client. For a
1: client. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Cats.
1: I know No! Th- that's actually th- true. Oh what? <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. The ad the, one I was gonna is say that I was gonna say the
0: ads one was next.
1: Yes, yes. And the the reason I threw that one in there is because If you call yourself a copywriter, which it's so hard to know what you're to call yourself as a writer, a lot of time people think, oh, copywriter ads like Mad Men, right? The show Mad Men. And that's I don't think that's true anymore. I I actually wrote about this a little bit on Medium. I think the title of copywriter is a lot more versatile today, but I still get a lot of questions about, oh, do you just write ads as a a copywriter? And so that's why I had to throw that in the mix. Mm -hmm. But yes, I did write a blog post entirely about cats once. Random, totally random.
0: <laughs> you mentioned Medium there. How how much of your time is spent writing, not client work? If you see what I mean, as in stuff for yourself, for your brand.
1: Yeah, I would say I spend um, not a ton of time. Probably, um, I do. I do post my uh, newsletter uh, after about two weeks that it's been sent out on Medium, and it goes on my on my blog as well. Um, so. I just kind of use it as a place to talk about the things that I'm dealing with as a writer, as a freelancer. And, um, it's a, it's a place for me to kind of share ideas or work things out that I'm dealing with as a, as a freelance writer. And it's not client centric work. So I don't spend a lot of time doing it, but I think it's, um, it's nice to kind of cover those topics and, and get feedback from other writers there too
0: how i mean you mentioned feedback there from writers and the you know the relationship that you have with twitter do you feel quite isolated being a home worker or are, have you actually got a, quite a community around you
1: i have a uh, a few people that i work very closely with and that's really nice to have those sounding boards and to have those people you can call on when you have questions or you're working through something but um i would say for the most part it is very isolating and it's very much Um, there will be days where I, I don't say anything out loud until my husband gets home at night, you know, I'll just sit here and and work on the computer. I might talk to the dog, but, um, it it can be a little bit isolating. And that's, that's something I am also trying to work through and be better about getting out, be more, being more deliberate about, um, taking classes and interacting with people. Because Mm -hmm. what I found is that when you spend so much time at home alone, working by yourself, That when you need to go out and interact with people and have that, you know, nice, polished social presence, it's tough because you you lose those skills. You lose those interpersonal small talk skills that you use so much when you work with a lot of other people. When you spend every day at home alone, you don't have to. So, you know, you kind of feel anxious and nervous about, Oh, what do I talk about? I'm not used to doing this. So I'm trying to be better about getting out and working on keeping those skills sharp, as strange as that might sound
0: no it doesn't at all especially I mean you had those skills clearly so so early on but yeah it's, it's very easy to come in and I like the fact that you say that you talk to the dog but not the cat like because you you know full well that the cat doesn't give a damn
1: she does it she sleeps all day she has no interest in me whatsoever
0: yeah I've got a cat and it's like yeah whatever
1: What's you totally the- understand
0: so would you say that's like the biggest challenge It's one of them.
1: Certainly. Yeah. I, um, I do try to get out and take a yoga class once a week. Um, I will try to go work in a public place like a coffee shop or a, or a bookstore or something like that a few times a week or a few times a month if it's cold out. Um, but yeah, it, it can be very lonely. It can be hard to, to work through the issues that you're dealing with, whether it's an assignment or, you know, just purely being lonely. I think this can be a very lonely job and a very lonely, uh, style of work. So, uh, trying to be better about that, but yes, it's definitely, I think a problem that not only I feel, but other freelancers I've spoken with are are dealing with as well.
0: Mm. So if that's one of the challenges, what would you say? In the others then?
1: Um, work-life balance is a big one. Oh, we yeah. touched on that already. Um, but I think just, that's a good question. Um, Taking time to celebrate the successes, I think is another thing that's, that's easy to kind of let fall by the wayside. Again, when you're working by yourself, you don't really have a team that you can celebrate your successes with or celebrate the end of a big, a big project because it's just you. Um, so I think, I think, um, taking advantage of the the perks that freelance life can provide is one thing. And then just, you know, being really happy about the results that I, that I'm, producing and the projects that I'm doing. Um, remembering to celebrate those and to be really proud of the work is is another big one, I think, that falls by the wayside.
0: Yeah. You need to get some party poppers for the cat. That's what Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, she would hate that. It would be great.
0: <laughs> by the way, yeah. Before any pet charities complain, I'm just, not really. <laughs> it's a um, joke. You mentioned setting like the goal of like beating your previous month sort of thing, um, Mm -hmm. financially is setting yourself goals, like a big thing in, in your business.
1: I don't know if it's across the business, but it's definitely for my personality type. Um, I find myself being very competitive with myself and, uh, really enjoying the challenge of the freelance, uh, workload because there's so much opportunity to take on more. Obviously I'm only one person. I can only scale so much. Um, but as demand increases, I'm also able to raise my rates. So um finding more high-quality work, finding clients who are interested in paying for the type of work I can provide, you know, it's so different than having a set salary and thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to make this year. That's it. Um, with the freelance lifestyle, you have so much opportunity to out earn the previous month or to out earn your last year annual billable income. Um, so I, I love that challenge. I think it's very exciting. It's also very dangerous too, though, because, you know, there's such an opportunity to overwork yourself or to just really get yourself stressed out because you're trying to do too much. And um, it's it, it can be bad news. But Like I said, with raising the rates and finding more high-quality clients, I think the opportunity to out-earn is just incredible. And it's something that I've really enjoyed um, benefiting from, of course, (laughs) as a freelancer, but um, just kind of learning from and marveling at the opportunity that's available here.
0: How do you gauge when to raise your rates? And do you only do that for new clients or do you bring it back to regular
1: um there are a couple clients that I've had for a long time and I've just done really minimal rate increases with them. Most of my rate increases do come with new clients and I know when it's time to raise rates because I'll have a ton of work and I'll actually have a lot of overflow work that I'm diverting to other freelancers. Um so when I find myself being presented a lot of opportunities, I know okay demand is increasing. Obviously, this is a chance for me to introduce um, a slightly higher rate with new clients. So um, just kind of have steadily been doing that over the past, I would say, six to eight months. And again, if I I find that I'm too busy, and it's a project that maybe isn't a perfect fit for me, I have a nice little network of other freelance writers that I can refer those projects out to, um, which is good for them too. So it's a win-win all around.
0: When you say you divert them off, Do you simply refer them or are you taking that work and outsourcing it?
1: Most of the time I'm just diverting them to another freelancer because, um, like I said, maybe it's not a good fit for me. And, you know, I don't have, honestly, I don't have a lot of experience, uh, hiring out or maybe subcontracting. So Mm. I just kind of have a nice network of people that I trust who I can say, Hey, do you have the bandwidth to take this on this month? And then, you know, if I have a slow month, they return the favor. So, um, So far, so good on that front.
0: That's nice. You see, it all comes back to being nice. It does.
1: uh, It truly uh, does.
0: It's the good thing. Um, Kaylee, it looks like you're doing awesome things. Um, uh, So say hi to the cat. Well, no, just say hi to the dog from us. (laughs) Uh, Okay. The cat doesn't care here, nor there. Don't forget, go to beingfreelance.com to check out the, uh, well, the key topic points from uh, this chat, but also links to Kaylee's Twitter and uh, her website. You can sign up to her newsletter and all of those kind of things. Check out her work. That's at beingfreelance.com. And Kaylee, thanks so much for chatting to us and all the best being freelance.
1: Thank you so much. It was so nice to talk to you.